0: We thought Halloween had passed, but we are bringing it back with a scary animal today on Instinct, the podcast about leadership, one animal at a time. So this episode
1: was inspired by my interest to learn about um, weird-looking fish, (laughs) and boy, did we find one for you. Today, we will explore the dark and deep world of the anglerfish. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is that one from Finding Nemo with the giant teeth, and that dangly light thing in front of its face.
0: As it turns out, existing in a totally dark and deep place isn't that unlike being a leader. And the anglerfish has a lot to teach us, like how do we know which way is up when there's total darkness? And for an animal that finds a mate who will never leave it, the anglerfish clearly has something figured out that we as humans do not. We have had a full season of Bushy
1: tails and shimmering wings and record-setting paces and magical, regenerative
0: limb growing. So we thought it appropriate on this last episode of Season 1 to bring an animal that could represent the parts of us that we want to push away into shadows. The dark parts that we can sometimes exile away. Every part of us, and every animal, has something to offer us about our leadership. So here we are. Let's
1: also face and embrace our aggressive, possessive, dark,
0: scary parts to round out our animal exploration for this season. Thank you all so much for joining us this season. It's been a lot of fun. And let's put a cap on it with anglerfish. Let's dive in. <laughs>
1: We are talking about our last animal of the season. And, oh no, you're already laughing.
0: I just feel like over the last two days, I've brought this animal up too many times already. Uh-huh. And you've already offered for us to not talk about this animal. Because <laughs> I'm <And>? terrified. <laughs> and I kind of hate it. Oh, great start. Great start. So (laughs) the animal
1: (laughs) before people run away is the anglerfish. And I think it's a very fitting last animal to discuss because it really I think we're going to leave on a really bright and cheery note (laughs)
0: talking (laughs) about one of the deepest creatures of the sea. That's a very optimistic introduction to the anglerfish, (laughs) and I'm so glad that you're bringing something bright and sunny to the darkest depths of the ocean. Well, you did send me a message yesterday basically saying, like, oh, dear,
1: goodness gracious me, Uh, this is a terrifying creature. How can we – and this is the part I made up – how could I possibly say anything good about it? (laughs) And so I I did – In the name of devil's advocacy, try, as I continued my research over the last 24 hours before our conversation, I did try to really see what the anglerfish is trying to share with us that is beautiful and amazing. So I am going to take that stance today. I'm just warning you.
0: I love that. And after I admitted that to you yesterday, I did a little bit of my own personal work and I uncovered a little nugget that I think is personal to me that has me so against the anglerfish.
1: Would you like to share more?
0: Yeah. 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 (laughs) You, you, you brought it up. It is here. (laughs) I know. So the thing that I was thinking about, and we'll talk more about why all of this stuff came up for me with the anglerfish, but it has this sort of like decisive aggression in it. Mm Mm-hmm that is very characteristic of the anglerfish. And as I'm thinking about the kind of business that I really admire and the kind of person I want to be in the world, I'm like anti-anglerfish. Like no anglerfish. But the thing that I say to my clients, and then last night I also said to myself was like all parts of us are necessary and important and actually present, right? Like I have, like ruthless aggression. I have the ability to be like sneaky and tricky. Like all of these things are actually present within me. And the more I push them away into shadow, the more they come out weird and bad and they don't get used as tools and gifts. Mm-hmm. So I'm also doing an attitude adjustment and saying, okay, how could I own that? Which is like the angler fish in myself. And also admit that I sometimes am ruthless, I'm sometimes tricky, I have all sorts of sneakiness and like depths of the ocean anglerfish energy in me, and if I just take a deep breath and admit that that's there, then maybe there's something I can learn in reowning those parts that I've pushed into the shadowy depths of my own personal psychological ocean.
1: Oh. I feel so happy for you. (laughs) And then I watch you with the grimace on your face as you say that, like, it's almost like your brain came to that conclusion and your body is still rejecting the
0: organ, so to speak. I'm hoping this conversation will be very healing for me.
1: Okay, I'll do my best. I'll do my best to do this (laughs) pseudo-therapeutic session vis-a-vis the anglerfish. So we haven't even gotten into it, but we can already, people are already getting the sense that this is this is a gnarly animal. And that's actually kind of Kari why I advocated or wanted us to go explore this particular animal, because I think choosing, you know, any one type of leadership is essentially exiling, like you're saying, like the other types of leadership. And there's mm-hmm. a lot out there in the zeitgeist about like servant leadership and like toxic leadership. And I think that's actually just a way to think in black and white and binaries again, just in a different way, right? Mm -hmm. And so to me, the anglerfish as an archetype is, uh, I want to explore it because I wanted us to look at something that wasn't as friendly to the human eye Mm -hmm. and see why it also has its beauties. So I'm glad that you've come to the same conclusion, but just for the people out there
0: this is why we're talking about Anglerfish today. And by the way, they are incredibly successful
1: at yes. what they do. So they sure
0: are. You know, I thought about that too. It's like if my company were being run by an anglerfish, or if any of my clients were running their companies like anglerfish it, fishes? Fishies? Fish. Anglerfish. <laughs> I I'd be really proud, actually.
1: Wow. All right. Well, Let's talk about what they are. So nobody, not nobody, but very few people have probably ever seen an anglerfish outside of, like, images on the screen. And that's because these fish live deep, deep, deep down in the dark parts of the ocean. You know, somewhere between, I think I read, 200 meters and 2,000 meters, which Mm -hmm. is very deep. And they live where there is no light, really. And just to kind of set the scene of, like, what these animals look like and how they are before we put some more layers of meaning on top of them. They're those fish that are, like, they have the little dangly thing of light in front of their heads. It's, like, attached to this little skin flap. By the way, I was trying to make one as a hat so that I could show up to our... (laughs) session today with my anglerfish hat, but it didn't work out, so I'll have to do that for another moment. (laughs) (laughs) So they're these big fish that got that, like, bioluminescent, aka shiny light thing dangling in front of them, which we'll talk about, and they also have these, like, huge mouths with these teeth. You know, some of us have, like, lips that cover our teeth. (laughs) The anglerfish is, like, not about that life. It's like, here's (laughs) all of my teeth for you to see at all times and they're like sharp and big and okay so they're like giant and can I also just
0: mention that you know how how I think it's like golden retrievers like you can see their teeth but they always look like they're smiling kind of just like the newts like the newts always smiling and hugging but (laughs) anglerfish not in a smile it's like this ferocious, like, almost scowl. It's right. just, like, inherent. It's almost like the edges of their mouth are kind of downturned, and the edges of the mouth go halfway through their entire body. And right. then it just, like, disappears into almost barely a tail. Yes. It's, yeah. like, 90% mouth. Yeah.
1: Yes. It's some Nightmare Before Christmas vibes. Like, something that yeah. a child might draw as they begin to have some control over the pencil on the paper.
0: Oh, yeah, and their eyes are really small because they don't really need them because it's dark. Yep. yep. Yeah. Okay, so what else, anything else we should set the scene of, like, what is
1: this animal for no, people who haven't even heard or well, seen them before?
0: Well, I'll just say the other thing that I was really surprised by is how big they can get. Mm-hmm. And I I read a couple of things different ranges, there's a bunch of different species and they actually look quite different and they have different superpowers, so maybe we'll we'll wander through that land a little bit. But I saw one range that was 8 to 40 inches okay. in That's size. That's pretty big. It's a pretty big range. And that they can be up to 100 pounds. Oh, really? I'm shocked. That's big. But I think most of them are much smaller, uh, but they can be huge. Huge, potentially. Right. And
1: part of the reason they have that big mouth and that those big teeth is so that they can eat creatures, animals, see things that are actually bigger than they are. So uh, and often, you know, those those animals are actually like coming down from more a higher area of the the water and then like they die and they can like eat those things and then maybe things that are traveling at the depths kind of a both-and, they're opportunistic yeah. hunters, basically. And so their mouths and their their teeth have developed to be able to, like, take in all sorts of food because it turns out
0: that in the deep, deep sea, you can't be that picky about what's coming across your plate. Yeah, and maybe we'll talk about this more, but, I mean, they have a distending jaw that can expand to eat something twice their size, and the jaw <laughs> can expand to be 12 times the size it is normally. And they also have an expandable stomach. Wow. I'm
1: just trying to imagine. Okay, hold on. So let's say my jaw can go like, I don't know, like three inches. So 12 times that is 36 inches. That's three feet. That would be like my jaw going like basically down
0: to my kneecap. That's terrifying. This is what I'm this is why I texted you yesterday. <laughs> Like, have you read anything about this animal (laughs) yeah all the good parts (laughs) oh my goodness okay so they've got these also they've got
1: these uh, really flexible bodies so they're not just big and heavy and a wide range they can expand but they also like the actual makeup of their body is like gelatinous it turns out so they're kind of like smooth and squishy which allows them to like I guess, expand, but also to camouflage and do weird things with the shape of their body. And uh, they apparently have these different types of cells in their body that are helpful for sensing things in the water at the depths of the ocean because they, like you said, they have these tiny little eyes, so they can't really see. And so subsequently, they have these sensory cells that allow them to sort of feel like Electrical currents and chemical signals and like vibrations in the water, too. So that's like an important element of their body
0: makeup. Did you see that video of the one with all the tendrils that have bioluminescence in them?
1: No. I mean, they
0: have multiple bioluminescent tendrils? Yeah. And it's not all anglerfish that have this, but there's one in particular that there is a video made, and maybe we can attach it because it's absolutely stunning but it almost looks like it has a jellyfish kind of attached to all of it with these, these tendrils, wow. and they're glowing. And they're essentially, like, the, the video that I watched described them like really long cat whiskers. Oh, so they so can kind of sense, sense all around them. Wow. That's cool. It's pretty cool. I also have a quiz question for you. Okay. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Quiz me. What do anglerfish and elephants have in common? Hmm. Well, I know the answer is not
1: that you feel deep connection to both of them. (laughs) So let's see. Uh, Maybe they can communicate across
0: really long distances. Uh, Not that. Can I get a hint? Well, it has something to do with the... Gender i mm, Okay, I'm, I'm tracking. I'm tracking.
1: Right. Maybe this isn't it, but here's what I'm going to say. Turns out the lady anglerfish is responsible for everything. <laughs> and what I mean by that is like the big ones and the bioluminescent ones are actually all females, I think. And the males are like way, 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 way smaller. And they actually... They're actually parasites when they reproduce. male
0: anglerfish are actually parasites. Okay, so we have to
1: describe what this is. Tell tell us more. (laughs) What is a male parasitic anglerfish?
0: This is the craziest thing that I've ever (laughs) learned
1: about. (laughs) I cannot wait to see what meaning we
0: make of this one. I also read an article that said the worst lovemaking ever was the title of the The article, it's about anglerfish. So that's just to whet your appetite. (laughs) Very subjective. Okay, so what happens? Okay, so the males are half the size or sometimes even smaller than half the size of the female anglerfish. And essentially, they only exist to find a female. True. They don't have any of those teeth. Like all that stuff that you described about what we think of an anglerfish, the male anglerfish look like kind of normal fish. They don't need all this adaptation stuff. They don't have like the cool dangly light fishing pole thing. They don't have these like crazy bodies. They really don't have teeth to speak of. I mean, well, they, they have do. some, but they're not like the big gnash gnashing right. 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 Their right. teeth are for one purpose, which is to bite onto the female anglerfish when they find her, and then they secrete something. What is it? Do you know what it is that they secrete? Well, eventually, no, 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 I don't know what you're about to say. Well, they secrete something out of their mouths that kind of fuses or like dissolves the, it dissolves the separation between the two of them and binds them literally forever in some sort of holy matrimony called parasitic mating. mating. Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm.
0: And then the male anglerfish loses his ability to do everything except for produce sperm, basically. Correct including, like, losing his eyesight. He, like, doesn't have any, like, internal or separate functioning available at all and basically just, like, feeds on the bloodstream of the female. That is correct. And you seem
1: shocked and or deeply disturbed by this, Kari. I mean, this is a normal – this is also on some level
0: (laughs) happening to us humans. But, okay, (laughs) I I
1: digress.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, and there can be, I don't know, six – Male anglerfish
1: attached to a female? Just attached. So when you were saying they weigh 100 pounds, do you mean that the female weighs 20 pounds and then she has five (laughs) attached male
0: anglerfish? Like, oh, it's so heavy. Why does it feel so heavy? Yes.
1: So all jokes aside, this physical fusion between the male anglerfish and the female anglerfish, where basically he relies on her entirely for sustenance, she, like, is like literally bloodstream to bloodstream they're connected is actually like really telling according to evolutionary biologists about what it takes to live in the deep deep sea because what i read is that this is an adaptation to make sure reproduction still happens amongst the anglerfish that essentially like if you find a mate that's good enough like you cannot be searching for other mates like one mate to rule them all, like really one female. If you find her, latch onto her for the sake of continuing as a species. And so they just latch on and they're like, cool, I found one. This is what I'm going to do. And eventually, during the mating process, the female anglerfish releases like an insane number of eggs, like in the millions, up to the millions of eggs in these little gelatinous, cells that float up and they get fertilized, which suggests that reproduction, the reproductive rate for anglerfish is like pretty low, meaning you gotta pump out a lot of eggs and a lot of sperm to potentially meet them if your species is going to survive. You know, we're not talking three
0: eggs. They're going to get fertilized. Like you gotta have a lot. I appreciate that description. And I think that's probably right. It's definitely tough to live a thousand meters below the surface. Right. I mean, that's crazy. And the thing that just popped into my head right before this, I was meeting with a client who was talking about acquisition potential for Mm -hmm. the startup in the startup world. And it made me have a little giggle because I was thinking about anglerfish and I was imagining the female anglerfish as being Google and all of the little <laughs> male anglerfish, like, like, latching on and hanging on for dear life. Yeah. And I was kind of thinking, like, yeah, the startup ecosystem is kind of like the deep ocean. Like, That's, it's hard to survive.
1: It really is. And you have to be able to adapt and build these sort of re- resilience mechanisms quickly. Though my assumption, not being a scientist, is that anglerfish have developed these over many, 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 many years. Um Still quick, probably in the grand scheme of things, but that evolution is, like, critical for survival, which we can get to.
0: Yeah. Okay. Anything else you want to say about angler fishies in general? Yes. I want to say one more thing, which is – no,
1: two more things. The first is that you briefly touched on this, but I think it's important. Angler fishies practice (laughs) – what's called ambush predation, which essentially means they do not go seeking food in a like, time to find my lunch for the day. They, in fact, stay exactly where they are. And that bioluminescent thing is there to attract or lure people, not people, here we go again, (laughs) to lure their prey in. And then they ambush them, right? And so they're not actively seeking things out, but they're very opportunistic, let's call it. And they kind of lay low in order to do that. And interestingly, they have developed, speaking of adaptive responses, they've developed these sort of mechanisms to store energy, mostly in the form of like fat cells, like lipid cells, that enable them to basically go a long, long time without getting food, which is also necessary in the depth's of the sea where they live so they have both this like luring mechanism and they're not really spending a lot of energy going and seeking
0: which are both requirements for survival which i think is kind of cool. great. Right. i totally cool yeah they're not hunters in the traditional sense right like if we think right. about the wolf pack that's like tracking their prey or the cheetahs and, yeah right totally not like that but they do have all these sneaky ways of getting their lunch to come to them. Also, I watched another video. I was watching videos, and I think that's why I got really messed up, because they're very <laughs> like, <laughs> hard to watch. But one of them ate its thing. It ate its Its lure. own lure? Yeah, it ate the lure with its prey, and then it ended oh. up in its stomach, and then the scientists, like, had to cut it out, and they were like, oh, look, it ate its thing. Anyway, so that was a thing that happens, I guess, sometimes. But oh, oops. <laughs> um, they Okay, you mentioned this. So some can adapt their appearance to match their surroundings. In fact, I saw one that changed its appearance to look like an anemone. Ah, cool. And it looked like an anemone. I mean, it was Very crazy. successful. Also, their headpieces sometimes have the bioluminescence and sometimes they look like a little worm or like a little other creature. So mm-hmm. they, they're all fishing, fishing for fishies. They're literally fishing and they know their audience, right? Which is we really do. critical for leadership. Yeah, I want to say one
1: more thing about the bioluminescent thing. just It's a yeah, small yeah, yeah. tidbit,
0: but like the
1: reason it's glowing is because there's like a symbiotic relationship that the fish, in this case anglerfish, has with this bioluminescent bacteria so like the anglerfish itself is not glowing the bacteria that they have a symbiotic relationship with is glowing and I just wanted to state that because before we put all of the you know burden of responsibility on the anglerfish you know it takes two to tango that's all I'm saying okay (laughs) so these these symbiotic relationships sometimes I think you know I guess what's the organizational equivalent here it's like (laughs) open AI and Microsoft. Like, there's something going on there for the future of AI. That's all I'm saying.
0: They're in devious cahoots.
1: <laughs> okay, so I'm down to move on to figuring out what we can learn from these cool, weird, freaky
0: creatures. Anything else you want to name though? Okay, one last thing. Yeah. Because this whole attraction thing, I think, is something that we're going to learn from them because they're actually the masters of attraction, despite being incredibly hideous and pretty mean. And... <laughs> The last thing that I learned about this, so not only can they disguise themselves, but they also have this like fishing lure situation thing going on, but they also can secrete a chemical attractant. Did oh. you read about this? No. What does it smell like? Do you know? I don't know. It's like pheromone. Oh, that kind of chemical attractant. Not like... No, not... Yeah. But it's not for mating. It's for it's for their uh, eating. prey. For eating. Yeah. They're like... Here's the perfume that you want. Here's the little fish dangly light thing that you want. Oh, and then no. they just sit so still and look like they're not themselves. And then in literally less than one second, they can open their giant mouths 12 times the width that they usually are and then snap up whatever it is that's in them. Oh, and their man. teeth are not only used to chomp the thing. They actually don't care that much about chomping. They're used more like a gate to Can't keep come them come out. In. <laughs> I mean, it's just... It's just dark. I just had a maniacal laughter within me. I know. I feel like you're
1: turning into an anglerfish. (laughs) I'm okay with that. I was never exiling my (laughs) anglerfish. (laughs) Anglerfish? Oops, I said it. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to name, though. It's a real shame that it's, like, the female anglerfish that is really, like, doing all this. Because it really (sighs) – it's really reinforcing the stereotypes of this, like, manipulative – trapping witch vibes and it's not fair and the whole attraction thing right it's like the
0: seductress who is like gonna trap you and murder (laughs) giant stomach jaw and teeth gates
1: yeah Oof! but that's what you gotta do when you're an anglerfish
0: it's true mad props okay okay tell us what we can learn natalie okay dazzle us with your sunshine (laughs) <laughs> my anglerfish. Okay.
1: So <laughs> first things first to be an anglerfish. mm, No, first things first is that I think anglerfish can teach us that adaptive evolution is required for survival and that leaders can really learn from that. Right. Everything we've talked about, I mean, for all animals, but for especially it feels like the anglerfish, the mouth, the bioluminescent lure, the soft body that can morph into a bunch of ways that has like cool tissues that adapted to the depths of the ocean, their reproductive strategies. Like, all of that is like, how do I survive down here in the place that is cold, very high pressure? And I'm likely not going to come across anyone else here. So, that's the most obvious for me is like, if you're a leader, Especially if you're at the top, right? It's actually kind of a lonely, dark, cold place often. Mm-hmm. And in order to survive up there or down there, if you're an angler anglerfish, you need to have very specific adaptations in order to make it. You just <laughs> have to adapt. You just have to. I mean, I was thinking about clients that I have who I've seen do this really well, particularly the last couple of years with the market. And basically all of them are doing some constant moving and some constant, like, figuring out how to just tackle the next thing, tackle the next thing, which for me is not actually anglerfish energy, right? We just heard that anglerfish kind of just, like, sit and wait and lure in. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, Kari, like, do you know – adaptation is like, yeah, of course, you need to adapt. Do you know anyone that you've worked with or examples you've heard out there where –
0: People have adapted, but anglerfish style in a way that we can learn from. I was thinking about one of my clients and I asked her to tell me who's one of her competitors that she most admires. So we're hmm. thinking about like, yeah, what's next for that business? Like where is she headed with what, what she's building? And she said, you know, it's, it's the biggest firm that I'm aware of that no one's ever heard of. Hmm. And so we are kind of like breaking down what is it that made this, this company so successful. And she essentially said this, they do a really good job and they do what they do differently than anybody else in the market, but they share nothing. They have no website, no advertising. It's all word of mouth, but somehow they've become huge and pulled down all of the biggest contracts that are available in their market. Wow. And I just thought this is like an anglerfish, Mm, in a quiet, stealthy, quiet. Actually, down there, like opening its mouth and just like taking in something way bigger than anyone knows. And it's like no one sees it coming. No one knows that they're there. And somehow, you know, this this like cheetah energy of expending all of your calories so you have to take a six hour nap. Right? (laughs) Is like (laughs) sure. So I mean, National Geographic totally loves cheetahs but like you know even though only there have only been 12 videos ever made of an anglerfish, and we have seen very few of them ever yeah like somehow they're essentially the top of the food chain in where they live like they're yeah, the most the successful the bottom. they're the top of the bottom <laughs> so i don't know
1: relatedly i think that this is where i felt when i was kind of Hanging out with the anglerfish and their adaptations, thinking about it. I was thinking, like, this is where actually the anglerfish are the most misunderstood. Mm. Because they go somewhere that's basically really hard for everyone else to go. In fact, no one wants to go there. In fact, like, their whole beings are not physically able to go there, right? Like, we don't know that much, it seems, about anglerfish because— They live at the depths and like high pressure zones of the ocean. So the extent of our research of them is limited, right? Unlike the cheetah who breathes the same air that we breathe, right? On the same like plane that -hmm. that humans are on. And so like, I just feel like I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that there's probably all sorts of stuff that they're doing that is really cool that we could emulate that we literally have no idea about simply because we cannot see them. Because they go where we cannot go. Right. And I think yeah. to your point with that company that your client was talking about, it's like, imagine growing the biggest company in your, your, you know, category or industry, and nobody has ever heard of you, and you would do zero advertising and you have no global footprint or messaging. Like that would no growth advisor would ever recommend you do that. <laughs> and yet it's
0: massive, it sounds like. I mean, if I were a frontier tech founder, I would study the anglerfish inside and out. I'm so glad you say that. I wrote the frontier is a lonely place. Yeah, right. And this whole thing that like you can't just, you can't just optimize for speed. You can't just optimize for hunting. You have to also know how to conserve your energy. I think you mentioned this, right? Everything about them is built to conserve energy. They also hardly move. They just kind of like float through space Like being very still. And then, yeah, the only movement they really make is when they close their jaws on their meal. And it's this like wait, be slow, be steady, like be excellent at what you do and like lure all of the potential prey to you and then just nail it when it comes by. There's no room for error. It's like huge bets. And if you miss them, you die. I would imagine that's why they have millions of eggs that turn into not millions of anglerfish. Yeah. Right. The odds are kind of stacked against them in many, many
1: ways. But the one thing that they do, they do very, very well. Sort of similarly to some of the differentiation we saw in the hummingbird, but um, which, you know, also has that serrated thing. Maybe the hummingbird is actually the anglerfish of the air. Just saying. Whoa. This longevity bit, I think, is another area I, that stuck out to me that I think is relevant for human leaders, and particularly this idea that you can like survive a really long time without sustenance. <laughs> As I was reading about that, I just kept thinking like, wow, this is kind of like the anti-VC backed startup. Like, You could survive a long time without sustenance. 90% of the clients I work with right now are fundraising and anticipate being fundraising ongoingly for the next half a decade or more. They're early stage startups, right? So this idea yeah. of Can we survive without sustenance where sustenance equals money (laughs) for a lot of startups is kind of bonkers. And it made me it reminded me about the power that you have in your hands as a leader when you're not reliant on sustenance as Mm -hmm. acutely and that you can kind of hang out there and play your game rather than someone else's game just so that you can secure the win, a.k.a. the
0: money or the food. Any of that resonate with you? Yeah, totally. And I think we're probably in a market that's been adjusted now to mean that that competency for founders, for startups is more important than it has been, at least in the time of my career in startups. Yeah. And the other thing that I noted, though, is on the opposite side, which is they have this this expandable stomach. Right. You know, and I, again, I'm thinking about some of my frontier tech clients, and they'll go years without having made a development without having made a discovery and then all of a sudden they have a government contract or like they become the only one that's doing this thing and somehow their stomach then needs to expand to like consume this giant lunch Hmm. and so what is this thing where it's like you know you're it's like the the ultimate flexibility between feast and famine it's striking right like there's such a deep trust as a leader,
1: required to be able to, like, go that long in the famine state and still keep moving towards an anticipated future potential feast? Like, what a bet, both to make on yourself, to make on your company, to make on your team. I think there's something really courageous about that, actually.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I almost just imagined, like every single entrepreneur having on their vision board a picture of an anglerfish because these things are not fussed about anything. I mean, <laughs> I'm not, I don't know their emotional state, but like I just am like staring into the eyes for hours literally yesterday, staring into the beady dark eyes of anglerfish and being like, What are you feeling? What is happening? And- totally imagine you deciding
1: to use your therapeutic credentials to no longer serve humans, but become the first and most renowned anglerfish psychiatrist, psychologist.
0: (laughs) Maybe it's my new calling. But, you know, I just feel like they're just not fast. Like, they never move fast. They never move off course. They basically have no predators. So they're kind of just like doing their thing. It's like that calm confidence Mm -hmm. to just be steady and like trust your strategy like I know my dangly light works like I got my tendrils out in the ocean and like as soon as the thing comes I'm gonna know it and until then I'm keeping my breathing really calm I'm using no calories I'm just bobbing around feeding my parasitic men and like that's it
1: I actually, I mean, I'm I'm smiling as you're saying that and sort of chuckling because you just said I'm just feeding my parasitic <laughs> men, but anyway, <laughs> there's a there is a lot of truth to what you just said. I'm going to see if I can recapture it because I've since now just only got this image of these parasitic male anglerfish. Right, the trusting of the strategy bit. So, yeah, there's a lot of uh, founders I work with who. One of the beautiful things about coaching is, right, founders can come into the space together and we have this little container pack that's like, you can say anything. Like, I'm really not going to judge or think poorly of anything you want to bring here. And so often people will bring like, I have no idea what we're doing. And Mm -hmm. yet I'm like presenting that I know what I'm doing, right? And the development of a strategy that they can trust without feeling like they need to shift it constantly when it's not working or not working fast enough, I think is a really hard muscle for most leaders to build, especially in this macro environment we're in, where it's like, really both, you need to show your growth and you need to like preserve runway or conserve cash. So I love that piece that like, can you trust what you've decidedly determined to be good at? And actually like, let the thing play out, rather than thinking that you're an anglerfish and then trying to be a cheetah
0: in the water. Like you're not, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to work. And you can't have both strategies, right? You can't be like an attraction genius and the fastest runner on land. Like those, those strategies conflict and they will kill each other. Mm. The other thing that I think about anglerfish and I'm seeing my clients do this more than I've ever seen them do it. And I think it's because the fundraising landscape is so difficult right now is looking to their competitors for inspiration on what to do. Mm-hmm. And if you look at all of the fish in the ocean, you will not find another one that looks like the anglerfish. Right. Like they did not like look over to the clownfish and be like, I <laughs> think I'm going to do some stripes. You know, like that did not happen with the anglerfish. Do you they think were the like, pufferfish and the anglerfish were like, just get bigger, like expand? <laughs> <laughs> sure. They're like learning <laughs> skills from each other. I don't know. <laughs> But, like, if I look at it, the anglerfish was like, this is my zone. I'm doing my thing. I'm adapting to my incredibly unique circumstances. I'm going to do it differently than everybody else. And, and like you said, then they just stick to it. Mm-hmm. This is what I do. This is my corner. This is how I do things. And, I, you know, it, there's one thing in, like, being a squirrel, right, where you, like, look around and you're like, squirrels kind of have a lot of things that other animals have, right? They share the tail with I don't know, some forms of monkeys and raccoons or something like that. Something
1: like that. Sounds right to me. Yeah,
0: I don't know. (laughs) But like, then you're competing for all the same things, right? And what the anglerfish did was say, I'm going to actually be a true visionary and I'm going to walk a path that no one else is walking in a place where no one else is walking.
1: Right. This is why I think that they're the hummingbirds of the sea because that's kind of a path that the hummingbirds took too. Like no one else can reach these beautiful flowers, right. and I'm going to develop this beak and this flying pattern that enables me to do that. So since I love hummingbirds, hummingbirds are to Natalie as elephants are to Kari, I am adopting
0: the anglerfish into my hummingbird um, metaphor. I'm so glad that someone is adopting this anglerfish, because <laughs> I will say, even though I think I've been quite complimentary, I still am... I. If we went back and did an analysis of my face throughout this episode, I would say disgust and fear are oscillating between those two often. Yes. And mine
1: is like delight and maniacal (laughs) like joy where I'm like, go go get them. You know, like be the female in the deep sea that is devouring things twice its size. Have the confidence and clarity to own that. And then... Like just sit around and enjoy the view. Well, not the view, the vibrations
0: of the, the sea. The feel, you. the feel
1: of the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, just like sense yeah. that stuff. Right? Yeah. Uh yeah. okay. There's one more bit I wrote down that I just we have to talk about the applications. We've now mentioned multiple times this parasitic meeting thing. Mm. How do you interpret the lesson here about <laughs> leadership? <laughs>
0: if you are a woman become financially independent because they will suck your blood <laughs> oh wow
1: was oh, that what wow. you were hoping
0: i would say <laughs> mm.
1: you know i wasn't hoping for anything i was just curious because i wrote very opportunistic but also deep reliance on others question <laughs> mark So maybe I'm taking the angle of the male, the male angler fish. Uh, I have to say they clearly also know that they cannot do it on their own. Yeah. And they're always taking uh, each new, each new thing that crosses them, a.k.a. like if there is a female that they do come across, they're like, you know, good enough. That's good. That'll do. That'll do. <laughs> right? And I think the striving for, like, perfectionism, the if it's not this mate, it's, you know, maybe I could get – maybe I could do better. The, like, lack of competition amongst the males for the mate. You know, we have all these animals that do showy things to be the one selected or to uh, – croak the loudest so that they've had the deepest voice so that the female, ch- you know, the males are like, yo, this is not my show. I found one, the more the merrier and do it for the, the sake of survival of our species. Right? Like I can kind of get behind that. No, too much of a stretch. <laughs> I,
0: mean, I, I did look at Google example right which is I mean there are there are lots of ways to survive and the path of ego is not always the best path especially when there are limited resources and so you know I I can kind of get behind that right like these males are ego less in a way and they also have yeah like you said like this willingness to be like participating in something bigger than themselves in order to survive. Right. And, you know, maybe they're, maybe the male anglerfish are, are like the ultimate mission-driven founders, right? They're like, I just want this thing in the world, and I don't care how it happens. Right. Like, I, we should hire this female CEO because she's going to be able to run this thing way better
1: than I can. But <laughs> I'm just happy to be along for the ride because then I can enact the vision I want to see in the world. I think why it touches a – it sounds like sore spot for both of us is because, you know, there's the latching on and the, uh, you know, blood-sucking nature of I can't do anything myself. You have to do it for me. uh, That is paired in human society with a but I still have all the power as a male. Mm. So I think, you know, if we removed – that element maybe we would feel less of the the gender burdening or socialization like the females actually do have all the power it sounds like for anglerfish
0: so yeah literary, they have, i mean the light it is a beautiful leadership lesson actually which is if you're going to give responsibility right also give authority Ooh. and if you're going to so take punchy. the responsibility away like or you're gonna take the authority away, like also take the responsibility away. And the anglerfish, in a way, have that really well figured out, right? Everyone plays their role, it's super well defined. And I would say that those things are in proportion to one another. And like, I don't think the cheetahs have that figured out, by the way. Like mm-hmm. their like male-female dynamic is like not in balance the way this is. A little sus. Is. Yeah.
1: I agree. I feel really relieved that we were able to spin this one. <laughs> In a way, that feels a little bit more palatable because when I first read about it, I was
0: like, oh, 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 no. (laughs) What have I selected for us to talk about? That's exactly how I felt, Natalie. (laughs) Also, I was telling this whole other story, which is like, okay, they manipulate and trick their prey, right? So like, oh, are we like now telling marketing departments that they should just like (laughs) dangle a fake worm in front of Customers and then, and then eat them, right? <laughs> we have this like whole like trapping the prey in the, dis- the stomach that expands. You know, I was like, is this yeah. is this really what we're going after in terms of business? No. But probably not. Yeah, but probably
1: the do not. one thing and do it well, I think, is relevant. And the I love what you just said about authority and responsibility. What was it? Authority and yeah, and responsibility. Yeah right i think that's really really striking i want to share one more thing maybe to close us out on the applications of the anglerfish it's related to this mating thing okay. but it's also an admission so oh, okay. for all of for all of the animals that we have talked about this season one of my curiosities has been why are humans interested in this animal Like, outside of what Mm -hmm. we're doing, like, what is the application of research on this animal? Because probably there's a reason why humans want to study it. So, like, the newt is used in a lot of studies about regeneration because humans want to use that in, like, the medical field to figure out, like, how we might adopt that in human bodies, right? Or... What's another good example? Wolves. People care about studying wolves because they actually are animals that have this like trophic cascade impact, meaning when you introduce them into an area, they bring all these other animals along with them in this kind of like cascading ripple effect. And so they are really useful to study ecology as like as a whole, right? Okay, so I, I, I've been curious about why people study all these animals, And I brought the same curiosity to the anglerfish because I was like, who researches them? And the list of anglerfish researchers is much, much smaller, (laughs) at least to my my finding, than basically every other animal. And I couldn't find a lot. And so I did what any former tech product person would do. I went to ChatGPT and I asked ChatGPT, why do people study (laughs) the anglerfish? And... I can't wait. (laughs) First, I will say it gave me something interesting. But first, what it told me was essentially, you know what, Natalie? Some people choose to study things just for the sake of knowledge itself. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, (laughs) ChatGPT. But what I think it really meant to say was nobody knows. So I have to come (laughs) up with something. I continued that. So that's that's my admission. And what I actually learned with some, you know, putting my tendrils out there a little bit more is about this mating thing. So it turns out that when the male parasitic anglerfish bites on, fuses bloodstream, everything we've already talked about, there is some way in which the female anglerfish, her immune system does not reject him. Mm. And scientists seem to be kind of interested in This is a concept of another creature coming into your body and not getting rejected because for most of us, that's what our immune system's literal job is. It's to recognize when there's an invader in our system and try to flush it out of our system. So it turns out that this mating thing is being researched to figure out why is the immune system not rejecting it and what might we learn from that for things like organ transplants in humans. So just a fun fact. I thought that was really cool that there is coming back to this idea that the males are on board with like the collective evolution of the species. It seems like they have figured out that reproduction in this way is most likely to happen and then the least likely to be
0: rejected or end up in a fail state. So I thought that was pretty cool. Very cool. I love that. Uh, I can't wait to see what all of the researchers come up with. And, oh, man, when I was researching the anglerfish mating, I learned about a lot of other animals mating, too. (laughs) 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 Which, like, we could do a whole season. Maybe it would be on our our couples co-founder coaching podcast on all of the weird ways that animals mate and relate to each other. Because there is some wild stuff out there, I'll just say.
1: Wow. Wait, did you want to say something about other mating that you saw in researching the anglerfish, or are you just prompting us as a teaser for the next possible season of Instinct? Um,
0: I mean, I didn't actually conceive of us doing that as a season, but it, I did get fascinated and went down a total rabbit hole on that. <laughs> which made me think of another thing that I just learned about anglerfish, which is their autoliths. Are you familiar with this body part? Aut- An autolith? Autoliths? Autolith. Autolith, no. I think of it, I this is probably wrong, but I think of it as kind of like their inner ear system. Okay. And I guess a lot of fish have it. Maybe a lot of other animals have it too, I'm not sure. But it seems particularly important for anglerfish because it tells them which way is up. Oh. Because how would you know which way is up if you're floating in the ocean in total darkness? <laughs>
1: Thanks for bringing that up at this moment. (laughs) (laughs) The answer is I don't know, in fact, how I would know which way is up? So are you suggesting that all leaders should have implanted in them the, what's it called, autolith of the... An autolith. We all need that to know which way is up.
0: I mean, especially when you're just like floating out there in the middle of nowhere, like doing crazy stuff all the time, like there has to be some... Thing or someone in your life who helps you figure out what weighs up yeah it gives you a sense of direction yeah that's all I have to say about anglerfish I'm literally flat out of things to say well I think we did a pretty
1: solid job pumping up the anglerfish despite <laughs> their deeply deeply terrifying physical and emotional attributes <laughs> yes And relational, I would add. That's true. We didn't even talk. Yeah, we really did. The only relationship they have is a parasitic one. Shout out to that.
0: (laughs) It's like the next level of codependent relationships, starting (laughs) with the anglerfish. (laughs) All right. On that note, Kari, anything you want to
1: leave our listeners with this season about what we've learned from all of these animals in
0: our exploration? Don't leave any of your animals behind. Even your anglerfish, even your inner angerfish is necessary <laughs> for great leadership.
1: I love that. And honestly, even though I only touched the surface on in my research, I feel like there's so much more we could have gone into about each of these animals. I do feel a new sense of interconnectedness with all hmm. of them, which feels really nice. And as people have been asking me, you know, like, hey, what's going on with the podcast? And I'll be like, oh, I've just been thinking about squirrels. It turns out it's a really great conversation starter to know anything about animals. And so I also welcome everyone if there's one thing you take away. It's just all of this is great for that dinner party conversation in which you don't know what to say.
0: Just talk about anglerfish and you'll be good to go. I I was a hit recently at a dinner party due to my... Oregon man swallowing an entire newt story. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So what we've really learned
1: here is that we feel deeply awkward in most social situations, (laughs) just like every other human out there and every other leader. And so we too are learning how to channel our inner animals to function in the world. And what
0: will we talk about now that the season is over? I don't know.
1: I don't know. <laughs> I'm probably going to just see some animal thing and be like, look,
0: Kari, with no context. And you'll know. You will know. I'm going to just keep researching an animal every week just just to keep in the, in the practice. Me? No, we can share. We can oh. share. <laughs> we'll see if the people want more.
1: And on that note, it's been absolutely delightful. Thank you for going on this journey with me.
0: Oh, thanks for bringing me along. And maybe we'll see you on the next season. I really hope so. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us on this season of Instinct. If
1: you want any more deets on us, the podcast, or past episodes, visit us at instinctpodcast.com. There, you can leave us a note or a review. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you to everyone who helped us make this happen. Our amazing Kickstarter funders who made this first season possible the team at Supermix for helping us make the show sound professional, and thanks to my brother, John Rothfels, who helped us make this weird, quirky intro music. If you want to keep hearing us talk about leadership, let us know. We trust your instinct. Thanks for an amazing season, Kari. It was so fun. You too, Natalie. Bye for Bye. now. <laughs>